You're listening to Zeigler Group's Legal Zeitgeist podcast, the funds law podcast series that helps asset management firms reevaluate and revolutionize their current approach to investment funds law with the latest technology, legal and regulatory compliance insights, and best practices. Hi, I'm Katrina Crampton, Associate at Zyder Group, and today I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Noville. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the impact of the Cross-Border Distribution Directive on UCITS. So, Sarah, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, tell me, what are the main changes that are brought in by the Cross-Border Directive? Why is it so important? I think that one of the key changes that everyone talks about at the moment is the provision of local facilities to retail investors. So we're talking about usage projects mainly, but also ACE marketed to retail investor. It used to be in the, the usage directive in Article 92, and specifically that you had a general obligation to make facilities available to investor for them to make payment, repurchase, redeem their shares, or also to make available some information to them. And that was translated traditionally national requirements with differently across countries. And in many of those countries, you had a specific requirement to appoint a, a local agent. And of course, that creates some hurdle on cross-border marketing um, because this was one aspect which was not harmonized across EU countries. So the aim of this new directive is really to to harmonize further um, the EU market and try to, to facilitate uh, cross-border marketing of EU systems particularly. So Article 92 of the Usage Directive is being reworded now, and the principle remains the same, but the new wording expands further on the services that are to be made available to investors. So you have to make facilities available in order to process order, make payments in relation to the shares, but also in order to provide them with information on how to make those orders, how they can exercise their rights as investor or more generally provide them with some information and documents such as um, the prospectus, the kids, the annual, some annual report, and so on. Um, also, those facilities must act as a point of contact with local authorities. But the main point, I suppose, and why everyone is talking about this change now is because the new wording uh, removed the requirement or the need for a physical presence in the country. As long as you can provide the facilities in one official or accepted language of the member state where you're marketing, then you do not need a physical presence. Okay, so will that definitely remove the need for local agents then? Well, maybe not immediately. Um, so the deadline for transposition is 2nd of August 2021. So in theory, by then, all countries should have removed the their requirements to have a local agent, but a few things might delay that. First is that some countries have already announced delays in transposing the directive, so it might not be immediately reflected in their national law. Second thing is that, practically speaking, uh, we know some procedure at national level require, for technical reasons, that a local entity proceed with filings. So unless and until those procedures are amended, from an administrative perspective, you might need still to have a local agent acting for you in that country. And then also, in many cases, the function of local agent is linked to other functions, such as distribution. So for commercial reasons, in some countries, you may want to maintain your relationship with your current local agent. 
um, despite the abolition of a formal legal requirement. And then finally, obviously, you have to provide facilities in certain languages. And that barrier might remain for some investor because depending on your on your capacity, you may or may not be able to overcome um, that burden or that barrier. And so on a punctual basis, you might prefer to have a local agent and a local presence to provide services to your to your investor in, in their national language. Okay, so not that straightforward after all. No, unfortunately. Uh, tell me, Sarah, are there any other significant changes brought about by that directive to usage in general? Um, yeah, there is one other quite significant change with regard to a notification process, specifically in the way you notify either a deregistration in a host state or how you notify changes to your offering documents, so mainly your prospectus. The way it used to be is that, of course, we had a harmonized process for the notification and the first passporting aspect and how you register with your host state. But it wasn't harmonized yet on how you communicate updates of your documents on how you deregister from a host country. So the directive, again, with a hand to harmonize further EU regime, brought in a new notification procedure for either deregistration or notification of changes. And that has a significant impact in the sense that most of the time, host regulator just accepted that you would notify them upon change via email, that now this new regime requires you to notify the change a month in advance. That has a big impact on our clients' internal processes, because obviously, if you want your change to become effective on a certain date, you have to be aware of it way more in advance, about a a month in advance and even before, so that you can make the proper notification on time and have the change becoming effective at the date you want it to be. Logistically, that will mean that managers will have to review the internal processes and how their teams interact to make sure that everything is in place and in order at the right time for, for their funds. The difficulty there is that it is not clear yet, even for regulators, how those notifications will happen. And this is something that even at Zydler, we are monitoring and, and we keep liaising with regulator just to make sure that we have as soon as possible further clarity on the exact processes. But as of now, I suppose manager has to be aware of what will be required for them and be able, as soon as we have further clarity, to implement those last detail, I suppose, and have good processes in place to make notification in the right manner at the right time for their friends. Okay, so it sounds like maybe our clients' lives might be made a little bit easier once the harmonised procedure comes in, but I think that 30-day period will definitely be something to get used to and, and requires a lot of preparation. So just before we finish up, if you had one tip to give to asset managers right now, what would it be to prepare for the new directive? Well, in an ideal world, we would all want the details already now of all the procedures and so on. But I suppose the one tip would be just be aware of the main ideas of the directive. Already identify where that will impact uh, your internal processes so that as soon as we have clear information, um, it's really easy for you to to make the necessary changes to your internal structure processes, even though you don't necessarily have the GTA now, you, you are as prepared as you can be to make those changes when they come into force. Thanks very much, Sarah, for speaking to me today.
You're welcome. Thank you. You reached the end of another episode of the Legal Zeitgeist podcast. Connect with us at zeidler.group to subscribe. Thank you for listening. The Legal Zeitgeist podcast is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. Professional legal advice should be obtained before taking or refraining from any action as a result of the contents of this podcast. All rights reserved.